Good afternoon and welcome. I'm sure you've all been looking forward to this. We have Linda Miller with us today. Ken and Linda are from Waynesboro, Virginia. They have six children, ages 15 to 27. The two oldest are married, and the oldest daughter and husband are serving in Poland. One son just moved to Ireland to teach school this fall, and they have three children at home, a daughter and two sons. The youngest is still in school, and they don't have any grandchildren yet. That's always a question that gets asked. And perhaps... What most of you would know Ken and Miller, Ken and Linda for is um, Ken served two years in prison. He was released in March of this year, and his charge was aiding in international parental kidnapping in relation to the Lisa Miller child custody case. Lisa fled the country with her daughter since her former lesbian partner was seeking custody. And I think you're probably all familiar with that. So, Linda, if you want to come forward. Let's pray. (laughs) Heavenly Father, Lord, we bow before Thee, seeking Thee, Almighty God, seeking Thy grace, Thy hand, Thy blessing. Father, just be with Linda Calm her, give her just a clear mind and a heart for thee, even in the midst and the presence of others, Lord, that she would not be distracted. Just bless her in what she shares. Bind the enemy or any powers that would want to hinder this work here. And Lord, as listeners, open our hearts, Father, to those things that we can apply and learn in our own lives. So just bless our gathering, Father, in a mighty way for thy glory, for the victory of Jesus, and for the defeat of Satan in each one of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it is good to be together at this place today with all of you dear sisters. I feel indebted to so many of you for your prayers and support during the time when my husband was away for two years. And it's really only by God's grace that we are what we are. Um, As difficult as that time may have been, it's amazing how God uses those times to perfect us personally and to be a witness, and to bring him glory. It's not about us. It's just such a good reminder. It's all about him. No matter what happens to us, it's about him. It's exciting to be together and think about relationships. We all have relationships, or do we? I actually read about a man who lived by himself in the woods in Maine, And he had contact with one person in 27 years. And I would think that's definitely the exception because we as women tend to be relational. We enjoy being with people, at least for the most part. So we're interested in relationships. And I think your presence here would say that. You're interested in learning about relationships. 
We like the close, meaningful, life-giving interaction with others. And you know, God made us for relationships. Since we live in a sinful world of brokenness and conflict and chaos, we just yearn for that close peacefulness that comes when we can relate together with those around us. But we need to realize that authentic relationships begin with a close relationship with God as we walk with him in truth and love. Interestingly, there are lots of books written about relationships. And in my studies, I narrowed it down to taking a lot of thoughts from John Copeland's book, uh, Getting Along with People God's Way. I would highly recommend that. It's an excellent study of interpersonal relationships. And since this is a women's meeting, the relationships we're thinking about is mainly relating to each other as women. Our interaction with men enters into another category, and I don't really plan to address those, although some of the same principles do apply. And especially for those of us who are married, principles in relationships carry over into our marriage relationship. Today I'd like us to think about the basis for relationships. First of all, that God is relational. Also that he created us to be relational with him and with each other. And then we want to look at several different levels of friendship and relationships. Also what it means to be authentic as our title is, Authentic Relationships. What does that mean and how does it look? And then how do we wisely relate to each other? Our key verse today I chose to draw from 1 John 1, 7. The Apostle John says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. That's the kind of fellowship, the authentic relationship we yearn for. And God wants us to have that kind of relationship with him and with each other. This verse also talks about walking in the light, which means we need to be open and humble. So first off, let's think about God as a relational God. How do we know that God really enjoys relationships? Well, in reading through the scripture, we realize that even in the beginning... God communed with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And all through the Bible, we have instances where God was walking with people and people were seeking him. We have Noah, who walked with God. We have Enoch, who walked with God. Remember, Abraham was called the friend of God. Wouldn't that be nice to be said of us? to be the friend of God. And of Moses, it was said that the Lord spoke with him as a man speaks to his friend. Other people in the Old Testament, the judges, kings, and prophets, there were some who walked with God, such as Samuel, David, Elijah, Isaiah, and Daniel. All of them walked with God and heard from God. They had a relationship with him. And then in the New Testament, we have Jesus coming. And remember that one of the names that was given to Jesus at his birth was Emmanuel, which means God with us. Another instance where God is telling us, I want to have a relationship with you. 
And we know that in the end, God will have his way. He will be with his people. Revelation 21, 3 says, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. That's something we can look forward to as we, in our journey, walk with God. So we see that God wants a relationship with each one of us, but he does not force himself on us. It's up to us to choose. Will we seek him, or will we turn our back and walk away from him? The next point, that God created us for relationship. He made us in his image. He made us to be relational, just like he wants to have a relationship with us. And, you know, our relationship with God is going to be foundational in how we relate to one another and have loving, committed relationships. From God and from relating to God, we learn about walking in truth and love. And he shows us how we relate to each other in truth and love. Therefore, authentic, enduring human relationships grow out of our relationship with God. There's a certain level where people that are not following God can have relationships. But we know those tend to be selfish. What can I get from it? A relationship with God will give us the basis and foundation then to relate to each other in love, the way God relates to us. And we know that God's heart for his people is for there to be a committed relationship. Just like we have between God the Father and Jesus, a close relationship. This kind of commitment is bonding, loving, knowing, sharing, caring, and life-giving. This is God's desire for his body, the church, that we relate to each other in truth and love. In the body of Christ, we are admonished to one another. There are so many one-anothers that he tells us to practice. The most common one is love one another. But there are a whole bunch of others. I'm going to read some of them. Be devoted to one another. In honor, preferring one another. Be of the same mind one toward another. Edify one another. Receive one another. Admonish one another. Greet one another. Serve one another. Bear one another's burdens. And that's what some of you were doing during our time of hardship. Forbearing one another, be kind one to another, forgive one another, submit one to another, comfort one another, exhort one another, consider one another to provoke to love and good works, confess your sins one to another, pray one for another, have compassion one of another, Be hospitable one to another. Be subject one to another. And then the one in 1 John 1, 7, it says we have fellowship one with another. And because we are washed in the blood of Jesus, we can have that fellowship one with another. Let's think also about the the various relationships the various levels of relationships. There are the people that you don't know. And coming to a place like this, 
I felt like there was a lot of you that I don't know. And we call them strangers. But hopefully they won't be strangers for long. We can, with a brief introduction, turn strangers into acquaintances or people that we may meet occasionally. An acquaintance should be regarded as a divine appointment. It's good to learn and remember the person's name, and then that gives you the opportunity to call them by name the next time you meet them. So remember that. Uh, It's good to be prepared with general questions when you first meet someone, such as maybe after introductions, where do you live, what do you work, or ask about their family. This shows an interest and acceptance, and it shows respect and that you actually value the person. When you're prepared with good questions, you are then freer to concentrate on being a good listener. And, of course, that helps you maintain a good conversation. You get to know the person a little bit better by these questions. Now, what are some of the questions that you might want to have in the back of your mind to ask if you do meet someone new? For myself, I tend to ask closed questions, just yes and no answers, like, do you like to read or something like that, where a person can soon just say yes or no. But I'm learning to rephrase my questions where it will lead to more discussion. Like maybe instead of asking, do you like to read, ask, what is a good book that you have read? And this will then prompt more discussion. And possibly the person is not a reader. You can soon detect, like if they haven't read a book recently or something, then maybe you'll want to go on to another question that might be good to ask. I found it interesting to uh, look over a list of question or conversation starters. And here were some of the questions that I thought might be some that you'd want to stash into your pocket in case you need questions to ask. Uh, they can be questions about family, about work, about hobbies, about the future, about books, about travel, about a person's childhood or hobbies. But here are some. Uh, what is the greatest challenge you faced in the past year? Or what's the most valuable lesson you've learned in the past year? What are some ways that God has blessed you? Uh, What do you enjoy most about your work or your family? Or what made you choose the job you have? Or what hobby would you pursue if you had time and money? Uh, What are some small things that make your day go better? Or how do you relax after a hard day's work? Oh, and then if you're interested in traveling, what's the farthest you've been from home? Or what's the best thing that happened to you last week? What are you looking forward to in the coming months? Or if you want to tap in on somebody's memories, ask what was special about the place where you grew up? Uh, What character quality do you value? Or what's the best piece of, of advice that you've been given? What's the hardest lesson you've learned? Or what do you want to be remembered for? Or what's the best thing you've gotten from your parents? And maybe for some of us with white hair, uh, you can ask, what's the best thing about getting older? 
I don't know about that one. But that would give you an idea of some things to think about and how you can engage in conversation. And what this does, it opens up the door for you to hear somebody's story. And it might inspire you to ask more questions that will get more of their story told. And that's the whole point that we learn from each other. God intends for our relationships to be that. So we have the stranger, we have those that we are acquainted with or becoming acquainted with, and then we have the friendship level. People that you interact with fairly often, um, enough so that you know about their interests and know what they like, what they don't like. Uh, maybe even know some of their concerns or some of their personal dreams. And you know that a good friendship will build godly character in both of your lives. It's not just what you can get out of it, but it's a mutual kind of sharing. And then in these friendships, sometimes there's an openness to where you can share some of your own struggles. And if trust is built, that is a prime way to learn from each other and to interact. It's so important to be a trustworthy friend. You need to learn about their hopes and goals in life and show an interest and concern. And sometimes there are times when it's good to pray together. And then the last level is the level of fellowship or close, intimate friendship. This reflects a oneness in spirit where you have same life goals. It's good to feel responsible for each other. And on this level, we feel open enough to point out areas of need and maybe even sin in the other person's life. And, of course, that means we reciprocally need to be open as well. This kind of fellowship is what is talked about in 1 John 1, 7. We walk in the light with each other. It's a commitment to invest in one another's lives with the goal of helping each other mature in godly character. It's at this level of fellowship that friends often need to take the freedom to correct one another and point out our blind spots. And you know, if you have a loyal, faithful friend, it's easier to hear that from a person that you can truly trust. And in this way, you can encourage one another to spiritual maturity. It takes courage to be in those close relationships. But you know, that's where we thrive. That's where we grow. And really in the church, that's what God wants us to have with our sisters in Christ. The kind of close relationships that will build each other up in the faith. I personally am very blessed to meet weekly with one of our sisters in the church for a time of sharing and prayer. And this really has been... um, Just a a wonderful encouragement and blessing to have that kind of support and platform where things that concern me can be brought and we can pray about them. So you may be thinking, well, am I supposed to have these kind of close relationships with everybody I meet? Or how do I decide to have just an acquaintance relationship or just a friendship or a fellowship type of relationship? Well... I think it's good to think about Jesus. He gave us a good example of interacting with all classes of people. And if you recall, he had interaction with a rich young ruler, 
with the scribes and the Pharisees, with the poor and the needy and the sick and the beggars. He spoke to crowds. He spoke one-on-one like he did with Nicodemus who came to him by night with his questions. And then we think about Jesus' personal friends. Remember, he was good friends with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Or sometimes he'd just come into their home and just be there and interact with them. Jesus also took time for the children. We also remember Jesus had 12 disciples that he was training. But even of those 12, he had three that were specifically close to him. So even in Jesus' life, we see that he had various levels of relationships. And I think that can give us a bit of a guide as to how much he really wants us to invest in people's lives, what level of relationship he'd like us to have. Let's go on then and think about what it means to be authentic. Authentic would mean real, true, genuine, something that's dependable and trustworthy. It's not fake or false or pretentious or hypocritical. It's the real thing. And in Christian fellowship, you know, we should experience authenticity, not the superficial surface level chit-chat, but genuine heart-to-heart sharing. And I think that's really God's desire for us. Sometimes we need to open up conversations maybe by talking about the weather or our children. But if we have, if we are desiring close fellowship, we won't linger there long before we talk about things that are really important. Some characteristics that need to accompany authenticity, and I think I've mentioned this before, to be open and honest. Authentic fellowship occurs when we are honest about who we are and what is happening in our lives. We're open about our hurts, our failures, our doubts and fears, and we're willing to ask for help and prayer. In order to build meaningful relationships, we need to be honest, even if it's hard. And, of course, in this kind of a situation, when we are honest with, say, one or two people, it's not something that we're broadcasting to the world. If your friends are trustworthy, then it can stay within your circle. Too often, we're afraid, and we put up this mask. I'm fine. Everything's rosy, you know. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. You be having the worst day, and you still say you're fine? Well, it might not be appropriate to tell everybody all the troubles that you're going through at the time, but you may want to rephrase that instead of saying, I'm fine. You say, well, it's not been the best day ever. But let's be honest and not hide behind these masks that we tend to put up. And when we hide, we wonder, well, why don't I have any friends, you know? But it is the shallow conversation and the guardedness that does not promote close relationships. In fact, it's the death of any further close relationships. So we need to be honest and open. Another thing we need is humility. We need to be willing to admit that, hey, I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together. 1 John 1.8 says, if we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Or if, I'm sorry, it says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. 
We may as well be up front. Who that is interacting with us does not realize that we're human and make mistakes. We may as well be honest and humble ourselves and admit it. Another characteristic that we really need is love. Love is from God. And only as we experience the love of God can we truly love unconditionally like he does. So we need to be willing to love others unconditionally. We love as he does without judging and condemning. But this takes commitment. And sometimes it's hard. Along with loving others, we need to show kindness and extend grace when there are hurts and misunderstandings in our relationships. And you know, love from God can benefit, can aid us so much in working through misunderstandings. They are bound to come. Another characteristic that we need is courage. We often think of men as being the men of courage. I think we ladies need some courage too. Sometimes we just need to take the initiative and step out from our comfort zones because being authentic requires courage to face our fears. It can be any fears uh, ranging from being hurt by relationships, being exposed, or the fear of failure, of being rejected or misunderstanding. But unless we're willing to take the risk and be vulnerable, we really cannot expect to discover and experience the deep relationships that God would like for us to. Another point is communication. Communication is a subject we heard a lot about today already. And I don't feel like I can... I don't need to cover things that have already been said, but just echo the fact that we communicate in so many different ways. We think, oh, well, you know, we communicate by words, yes, but we also communicate sometimes by words on paper or by even just our body language and our actions. But it takes effort in relationships to stay connected and be communicating with each other. What we say shows what is in our hearts, and it's very hard to hide what's in our hearts. Our words should be a conduit of grace and not of conflict. And you know, in our time, we have so many varied options of how we can communicate with each other, especially with all the technology we have. And sometimes I'm wondering if we're missing out on the old-fashioned way of writing letters and putting them in the mail. I was very blessed during the time of Ken's absence with letters that people would send to us. And some of the letters came from friends that I've not met to this day. But to receive a letter in the mail was such a blessing. And, of course, um, sending mail and receiving mail was one of the ways that Ken and I kept in touch. Uh, so that was always a highlight as well. I'm just wondering, how many of you remember the last time that you wrote a letter and mailed it? Ah, that's good. I'm glad. Hopefully we can keep that up and teach our children how to write letters and mail them. Ken was so blessed 
to receive in prison, notes from little children, pictures they had drawn, or notes that they wrote, and I think he saved them all. So, talking about communicating, um, I find it difficult to know how to do long-distance relationships and stay in touch, especially now that our children are overseas. Uh, Deborah and Matt have been in Poland almost a year, and our son Jonathan just went to Ireland to start teaching school. So I know it's going to take effort for me to stay in touch with them. I do have the capabilities, I think, of picking up the phone and calling, but then there's always the time difference, and there's only certain times of the day that it works. So it's a challenge, but I have a goal to every so often write a letter, put it in the mail so that they can get some mail. And my son asked for recipes. He said, Mom, I need I need some recipes because he's batching with another fella. And he said, I know I'm going to have to do some cooking. And he wants this recipe and this recipe. And I thought, you know what? I could get my younger son who has a smartphone to take a picture of the recipe and just send it. I decided, no, I think I'm going to put it in the mail for him. So we'll see what he responds to that because he just went a couple weeks ago. Actually, just last week. So, coming back to the whole idea of communication. Personally, I think the best way to communicate, my favorite way is face-to-face, when we can sit down and talk. And, you know, I thought back over the time when my husband and I were courting, uh, before he was my husband, uh, there were times when we were separated and we needed to write letters and make phone calls, but, you know, nothing beat the times we were able to sit down and talk. So let's not give up that as the best way to get to know someone. And as we heard this morning, the whole way of staying connected with technology, there are so many benefits in that. But let's not do it at the expense of the people right around us. When you are with people, be all there, even if it means turning off your cell phone. Uh, When my friend and I meet once a week, that's just been our pattern. We turn off our phones. This is time for us. If somebody has an emergency, I'm sorry. They have to find help elsewhere or I'll wait till we're done. Um, make it a priority. And then the last thing I have here that we need in order to be authentic in our relationships, we need the wisdom of God. Wisdom and the fear of God. Proverbs says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And if we want to walk wisely in our relationships and really be authentic, it's going to take the wisdom of God and let the Spirit of God direct you in your relationships. I like the definition of the word integrity, being the same person on the inside that we are on the outside. That's how we need to walk in our relationships. So to build deep, authentic relationships, it's going to take work and effort. But it's God's plan for each of us to edify and exhort and encourage one another. And we need to do that so much the more as the day is approaching when we will no longer have that opportunity. And as I close here, I'd like you to think about uh, 
just look around the room. Is there anyone here who knows everybody's name? Anybody? Well, I can't even raise my hand. All right. Each of us has the opportunity to pull out those questions. Take the initiative. All you need to do is step up, smile, reach out your hand, and say, I'm Linda Miller. What's your name? Is it that hard? No. So take the challenge. And, you know, blessings will be yours. You will grow spiritually and mature through authentic relationships. I have a reading that I'd like to read. It's by Mother Teresa. I was so impressed. You know, it's not about me. It's entitled, Do It Anyway. She writes, People are often unreasonable, illogical, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you will win some false friends and some true enemies. Succeed anyway. If you are honest and frank, people may cheat you. Be honest and frank anyway. What you spend years building, someone could destroy overnight. Build anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, they may be jealous. But be happy anyway. The good you do today, people will often forget tomorrow. But do good anyway. Give the world the best you have, and it may never be enough. But give the world the best you have anyway. You see, in the final analysis, it's between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. Thank you. Thank you, Linda, for that encouragement and the instruction. I'm sure that um, authentic relationships is something that we all really long to have. And we heard through the speakers that technology really doesn't encourage that. It encourages a more shallow relationship that isn't satisfying at all. Um, We'll have a time here for questions and answers and um, any testimonies, any personal testimonies. And I really liked your list of questions, Linda. I know that there's times I'm just at a loss, um, just like my brain doesn't tell me what to say. And I thought those were really good questions. Um, they were, they had depth to them where you get to know a person a lot better through questions like that than more shallow questions. So are there any questions that you might have or testimonies to share? I, th- I think there's a handheld mic. Yeah, he's back there. Yeah. 
I'll give you a little bit of time on this because I, I should have mentioned it beforehand that we were going to have an opportunity for this. And I'm sure you've been challenged too. Well, I have a question while you all think about it. Um, Linda, you spoke about following Christ's example to about the levels of relationships. And I just wonder if you have any practical advice for determining those levels. I'm in a position in life right now where I have almost more relationships than I know what to do with. I feel like I could use some advice on, yeah, how to excel in the ones that are important and to know which ones are very important. I don't know that I have just a lot of answers. Uh, for myself, distance has made a difference. Um, we lived in Ireland for a year and a half. And 17 years ago, we lived in Kenya for four months. I had some really good friends there. But, you know, I couldn't keep up with everyone. As much as I left we left Ireland and we were like, oh, you know, we would never forget to stay in touch with these people. They were so dear to us. But time and distance have a way of just making it really hard to keep a close relationship. And so those relationships, um, if there's a time when we can meet, it's easy to pick right up. And that's a real blessing. But as far as just in the people that you meet and relate to, uh, I'm sure your situations vary. But one, uh, one tip that I remember reading about in my studies was when you find that the person you're relating to tends to be a bit closed, obviously you don't push yourself on them. Sometimes that can be a determinant. A determining factor, as well as um, if you if you sense someone that really does need fellowship, uh, consider giving yourself to that person. But if you already are taxed to the max, maybe it would be helpful to find someone who can come alongside. All children, 11 to 14. I don't know. Is there someone else who would have some input on that? I might just say a, a word on that last suggestion of finding someone else. Sometimes there could be like a match where um, I know someone that's experienced what you're experiencing and they've been through that. It doesn't always happen, but um, if there's a circumstance like that, then you can kind of maybe be the the in-between person to introduce or get them acquainted and then they can bless each other. <laughs> Thank you. That's good. Is there some more questions out there? Another thing that I have found, I tend to care about people, and so I want to help this person, I want to help that person. And early in our marriage, 
my husband was kind of my checkpoint. He would say, um, don't you think you're giving almost too much and neglecting our home duties or that kind of thing? So that's been very helpful to have someone close to you or your husband be that checkpoint where you can check and see, you know, am I giving too much or am I, la- am I leaving off the responsibilities that really I do need to carry out? And I appreciated the the thought of the three, the closest three that Jesus had, Peter, James, and John, and also the twelve. Um, so if if you're trying to keep up with more than twelve, then you're trying to do more than Jesus did, say even. Um, and of course, there are the multitudes too. Is there anyone else? Maybe a testimony of an experience that you had. Yeah. Well, I used to hate meeting new people. And (laughs) when we were first married, we would get a lot of visitors. And I never knew what to say to them. And my husband, on the other hand, is very talkative and he always knew what to say. And I asked him once, how do you always know how to keep a conversation going with all these people that you've never even met before? And I wanted help for my own situation so I, because I always felt just like I was sitting in a corner not taking care of them. And he said, well, just think of the other person. Don't think about yourself. Think about that person and try to make them feel comfortable. And before you know it, you'll, you'll have a conversation going. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know if I said this, but I'd really like to have that list. Linda, I don't know if it's available, but it just would help me um, with some of those really good, in-depth, meaningful questions. if you would just have a word to share about relationships that have been really close and have been strained or damaged in some way, uh, what encouragement you would give, what to do with it. That is a difficult situation because it's so personal. There are ways to work through conflict But in most close relationships, if it's two people, unless there can be something worked out between the two, you will need a third person. I really don't have a lot to say about that. Is there someone else that would have some input? A long time ago, like 30 years ago, 30 years ago, my sister and I, we were very close. Then I changed churches, just to put it simply. And she looked at me, and the relationship was strained, and we were always close. And the best I could do was to be consistent. She saw how far I was going to go. She saw that I was still being faithful. She saw 
that I still loved her and our relationship now is very good even though we're separate ways. But just being consistent and showing love and showing care and praying for them, you know, it, it with time it heals. Thank you. That was really a good example. And I just wonder how many of you out there can relate to what she said. Maybe you've made a church change or a fellowship change. And because of that, you've experienced some um, strain in relationships. Could we, do we have a show of hands? Yeah. It'd be wonderful if I hadn't seen all those hands. But <laughs> that's the reality of life. Um, and I've experienced that. I didn't put my hand up, but I've experienced that too. And time is a healer. Um, there is this thing that sometimes people, when there's something like that that happens, they process that as like personal against them, personal hurt. And they don't know how to deal with it. And really it had nothing to do with them, but yet they process it that way. And I think a really big thing is that we keep our hearts pure and that we don't get bitter about it or carry some of those negative feelings, but that we stay free before the Lord when someone treats us in a hurtful way because they're hurting. So thank you for that. Maybe there's another question. Thank you. Yes, I just want to say I really appreciate hearing from all the older women here. Um, and we're in a situation in a church fellowship where there are not a lot of older women. It's mostly middle-aged families and younger women. And we do have several um, moms with a number of children who have been very helpful to some of us younger moms. But I'm wondering if there's a way to develop and nurture relationships with older women that are not um, geographically close. Um, we left our church fellowship, and that's something I do miss. And my mom and I, um, there's a lot of hurt there, like we were just talking about in the break of that relationship. And I really miss the input of the older grandmothers into my life the way the Bible asks the older women to teach the younger women um, I'm not sure if anybody has a similar situation that they would like to share or give advice for developing relationships with older women Well, I'm privileged to be in a fellowship where we have even the older generation than my generation. hope you're not getting distracted by my white hair. I'm not yet 60. <laughs> but um, it is a blessing to interact with the generations. And the Bible does tell us that we are to, that the older women are to teach the younger women. Um, so I'm thinking... We'll need to find solutions because not all of our situations are ideal. Would there be a long distance? <laughs> um, I was I was just communicating with the sister beside me. Um, at 
our church, the group is small, and there are not older women. I'm one of the older women. So <laughs> um, sometimes we have to ask God to give us grace to be, and you know, to be able to teach the younger women, even if we're not necessarily older, uh, <laughs> if you know what I mean, less than 40. <laughs> Thank you. And back to your question, I don't know if um, the church that you're a part of, the group that you're a part of, if you would have like little pockets of fellowship, other fellowship groups that you would see occasionally that would that you would be like sharing the same fellowship, but just different in difference in locality. And there would be someone like that. And I don't, I don't see where your face is. I'm sorry. I'm looking out there. <laughs> Oh, there. Yeah. Okay. I see you now. Um, if there's anything like that, where you would have opportunity to like cross paths and meet up with others, and just even ask an older an older sister that you feel like you connect with, would she be willing to be a mentor to you? And you know that you know it's not ideal with the distance, but that you don't have anyone. Um, close and you just you would appreciate that so you can always ask that any more okay i was just thinking about um what what she shared about that um relationship with her and her mother with the church change and um I feel like in some ways in some ways I can understand what she's what she's saying and I've sensed some of that with my own mother with her with recent church change just sort of that maybe not maybe not um an, an, an unloving spirit towards me but maybe like um that spirit of of fear about where Joe and I are going um and it can kind of create that that tension, and um, I don't really I don't really know what to say. But the couple things that that do come to my mind is like somehow be um, mature enough and humble enough to um, still still be be her daughter and really really listen to what she wants to say to you like um like really truly listen and i think i think she'll i think she'll sense that in your spirit um and it seemed like as as even though i sense that tension between mom and i um as I continued to tell her things about about what we were doing, and uh, you know, even though even though it felt tense to just keep on keep on doing it, and almost in a sense take the responsibility for the relationship, and and not not just like decide that I'm gonna turn away because because I know she doesn't like it, I'm just gonna shut up, kind of thing. What still that respect and honor and daughtership 
show to her. And I, I can say that I think she's starting to understand, you know, or at least understand that, that in my heart, it's absolutely my desire to follow Jesus Christ. And, uh, and, uh, it's actually turning out to be a blessing. And mom, in turn, is, then, then, then they begin to also share again with you as well. But I know sometimes it's really, 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 really hard. Thank you, Doreen. I think the whole uh, sense that I get is the need to respect and honor our parents. That speaks loudly. Hello, my name is Connie, and um, I had, you know, difficulties with my mother's relationship um, because of the road that my husband and I took to, you know, become more conservative. She's a Christian, too, but when she saw that road that we were taking, that really made her concern, you know. So there was eight years that we did not spoke with each other. She did not want to have that relationship with us in different situations that went on. God really had to work in my heart to not have bitterness and, you know, and um, he did. So I love her, even though we were not speaking. God showed me that I, need, I needed to honor her because she's my mother. No matter what she, or, you know, their behavior. So, eight years went by, and now we're talking again. And it started really good, but it's going back to the same thing again. So, God had to speak to me again, and He spoke to me. And I'm not going to let anything, you know, in my heart, you know, to, to separate me with the relationship that I have with God. Because that's very crucial. Because if I let anything in this earth, you know, separate me from the love and, and what he wants me to feel for others, then my relationship with God will be the one that is affected, you know. So I need to still continue loving her. So one thing that he showed me is Raya nice card. A note, send her flowers, show her love. If we cannot talk, because I know where that is going to go. So the next step is, God showed me, the Spirit showed me, write her a note. Tell her that you love her. Share what's happening in your life, in the life of your children. What is going to be the response? I don't know, but I will continue loving because that's what God wants us to do, to honor them. And that's what I have <laughs> to share. Thank you very much for that. Um, and what you're doing is just showing the love of Christ. And when the human tendency would be to have reaction, sometimes when there's reaction, it can be like a vicious cycle of reaction and reaction and reaction, you know. But all it takes is one person to stop that. 
they can they can keep on reacting, but you don't have to react to that. <laughs> so we have we have someone else. Go ahead. Hello, um, my name is Samantha, and I'm pretty new to Kingdom Fellowships. My first year, um, I have a question. I've been having trouble with telling my dad about my change. Um, I left him a voicemail a few weeks ago, and he just got back to me. And I heard his voicemail today about um, my change, and he does not understand it, um, doesn't get it. And it's funny that I got his voicemail today out of all days. And um, it's just been quite a journey for me uh, these past few months. And... um, it's been great. Uh, I didn't live a life according to God um, pretty much my whole life. It's just recently that I just came to him. And um, my dad, he's actually a Catholic. And he doesn't know the way that I dress or anything. But my mom explained to him the journey that I'm taking. My mom knows and she totally accepts it. But my dad, he's just, he seems kind of upset and I guess worried. Um, I don't know if any of you may have some uh, answers for me or maybe you might be going through the same thing to give me some clarity on what I should say because I can't really find the words. Um, I tried calling him and I just hung up because I didn't know what to say. Um, it's been on my mind all day, just, and I just, my heart can't find the words to um, tell him. So if anyone can give me some clarity or something, that would be great. Those are hard situations, uh, Samantha, and especially with close relationships like that. Maybe it will take a little bit of time to sense what the Lord would have you say. It is hard. I want to welcome you. It's your first year here, too. I want to say that. We're glad you're here. Um, and it is it is better if you can, like, separate yourself from your own emotion. And that's really hard to do. And probably it would be helpful if you had someone to pray with you, just someone that you could really just share and they would pray with you and help you work through your own emotion with it so that you could just be um, just controlled by the Spirit of Christ. And I know that you you have that love for Him and that's why you're hurting and that's why the emotion's there too. 
but someone there's a lot of power in prayer and someone to walk with you so that you don't have to do this alone I think would be good if there's someone here that's you know been down that road a few years ago if you could reach out to her and make contact that would be good too yeah I'll just speak quickly. I did the same thing about maybe 13 years ago, and my parents cried when I told them, um, especially my dad. He's very emotional. So he cried and cried. Why would you do this? It just made no sense to them. Um, my husband's parents were more serious Christians. They actually yelled at us. Um, and, and they're very godly people in many ways. They just didn't know how to respond. We were trying to be honest. Um, but an older sister who had gone through the same thing probably maybe 15 years before me told me, give them five years. She said, if you're faithful, if you live like God is calling you to live for five years, they'll start respecting you. They might not get it, but they'll respect you. And it's a hard, it's a hard thing to wait five years. Um, but I think it is true that your, your family will start to see the fruit of it. And even if, it's not the same. It's it's very hard. You know, they say you can never go home, and I think that's very true for people who have made that kind of change. It's just, it's never quite the same. Um, but we do have, yeah, the encouragement of just that they do see that faithfulness. And then for my husband and I, we found just a lot of people to not replace, but to be some of those relationships that maybe our family can't be like they would have once been. Thank you, Laura. Appreciate that very much. And I think there was another hand up here. Yes, I know how you feel, Samantha. Um, I've also been there. I'm the first one in my family, extended family, to be um, a Christian. And um, just uh, I think that the picture that God gave us, that the Christian walk is a narrow way, really applies in so many situations, and this is another one of them. And there's um, two things to remember. One is that God is your source, and even though good, authentic relationships are a blessing, when we can keep focus, as has already been said, that, that God is the one to supply our needs, then we don't... Um, tax those relationships, especially those strained relationships, because we're still stable in our relationship with the Lord. So that's one side of the narrow way. And the other side of the narrow way is to remember that even though we no longer have um, a lot in common with our parents once we've chosen to follow Christ, if they're not walking that path, God can still fully use them to speak into our lives. And so don't cut them off. But, you know, when you come to, when my husband and I have come to every major decision in life, we have bounced it off our heathen parents and have heard from God through them. And um, God has, we've told them we're expecting to hear from God through you because of the position God gave you in our lives. And it just opened their hearts and did develop that respect in time. Thank you very much. That's very biblical and very um, God-honoring. It really is to continue with that respect. 
Um, I'll just share my testimony as well with my parents. Um, when I made a church change about 10 years ago, it was very hard for my parents to accept. And my relationship with my parents had always been um, the kind that I, I would get. I would try to convince them about what I was doing um, try to get them to understand, and it created a lot of conflict because um, I would get very intense and um, emotional about what I was trying to talk to them about. And I got some advice um, from a very godly person who just, it, they knew my parents as well, and they just advised me to um, just listen to my parents because... Um, my parents are wise, and they do have a lot um, to offer. And that was kind of a new concept for me. But I put that into practice, and I just began to just listen. And as I listened to them, I understood that um, they care about me very much, and that's why they were um, so worked up about things. Um I realized that my dad is a dad, and it hurt him that I didn't go to him for advice. And so um, I want to I want to listen to him. Um, my mother is a mother, and she has a lot of fear about um, choices that I'm making. And so just understanding that they need to be able to voice um, their concerns. And they need to know that I am listening to them. And sometimes it was um, it was all I could do to keep my mouth shut and not say anything. But it has paid off so much because they have sensed that um, instead of me trying to convince them about what I'm doing, that I am listening to them and honoring them. And... Our relationship has grown so much. They, um, somebody mentioned something about being consistent and they see, they will see and learn to trust, um, God's leading in your life as you're consistent. And, um, as I have honored and respected my parents, um, I also feel that they, they're learning to trust me and they're learning to respect me as well. And I feel very humble about that. Um, but it has, God has just worked amazing things in, in my relationship with my parents. So I would just encourage anyone just to, it's very, very hard to do sometimes, but just listen and, um, understand that they're speaking from, um, a father's heart and a mother's heart. Thank you, Emily. I hope this has helped just a little bit, Samantha, to hear some testimonies of others' experiences, too. And we have someone else? Yes. Uh, David and I left Jehovah's Witnesses almost 42 years ago. And I thought my parents would die, literally, before I told them. 
They didn't. I was very thankful, but our relationship was deeply affected. There is a total shunning that happens. It's called disfellowshipping within the witnesses. One thing I wanted them to hopefully see in all of this, because we could not talk to them unless it was about the children, severe sickness, illness, or death. At a point, family business was allowed. But um, they saw our, our children. It was very, very important for us, and I'm hearing that with so many comments here, to honor, to respect our parents. It was, it was probably the hardest thing I've ever done. Because I knew my parents loved me with every fiber of their being. They loved God first. And they thought I was going to be destroyed forever. And through the years, at one point my dad and I were able to talk. It was eight years after we left. It was briefly at the death of his only sister. And he was, I just brought up a few things on my love for God. And he, he said, I know Deborah. I know you love God and Jesus Christ very much. And that meant the world. But I, I do know that if I had had a disrespectful spirit to them or a critical spirit, that would have been horrible on my part. I I left, David left. All we had to hold on to was Jesus Christ. And I knew my parents were trying to do the same thing to the knowledge they had, even though there were lots of errors. So the love, even though I couldn't pour it back out on them very often, keep loving them, I keep hearing that, respecting them. They gave you life. And knowing that God will work it out in the end. And, you know, I hope in eternity uh, I'll be seeing them. And we can talk again. Yay! (laughs) Thank you. Oh, go ahead. My name is Irene. And first of all, I want to bless you, Samantha. Is that your name? for stepping out and choosing to do what you did. May God reward you for that. Um, I never had a very good relationship with my mom or my dad. And eight years ago, I ended up moving out through some very difficult circumstances. And our relationship just kind of went cold. And I knew I had hurt them very, very badly. For me, um, I just appreciate what all was said. I don't think I have a lot of different things to say, although I do want to add that sometimes, for me, it seemed that to separate me from the situation and just, like, remove myself and allow God to work in me and mature me spiritually, that I could enable me to maybe eventually come back to them and listen to them and see them as my parents, as God has put them there, and 
and you put them there for a reason, and they gave me life, like Deborah said, to appreciate that. Um, it took time, and it took a lot of, it takes, it takes God's work in your heart to enable you to do that. And sometimes it just helps to just remove yourself from the situation. Find godly authority who can give you direction and help you in life. One thing that I have found very, very important and helpful is to, to make myself accountable to godly authority and not just float because I just don't think that's good. It's not, God didn't design us to just float on our own. The other thought I had about older women, uh, my heart can say amen to the desire for older women in my life. And I have not, it's just in recent years that I have been experiencing the blessing of that. And I've always had a desire for that. And one thing is, um, I started praying for older women and God is just richly blessing me with them. So, um, oh, another thought I had about your parents is pray for them. It's one thing I started doing, and it just it makes a whole big difference in my attitude toward them if I start praying for them. So, may God bless each one of you for what you shared, and in your journeys, may you remain faithful. Thank you, Irene. There's just been a lot of good uh, just nuggets of advice here for like separating ourselves and and a lot of this just takes the power of Christ. We can't let the man, our own person, rule or we'll be caught up in our own hurt and all of that, our own emotions. So there's probably a lot more stories out there just waiting to be told today. Um, we are approaching the supper hour. So I will probably cut this off unless someone feels really pressed to share something. I don't want to prevent that from happening. I have about the same story as everyone else. But one thing I do want to say is... um, It's been many years since my parents have been in our home um, after we we weren't from a plain lifestyle. And we were from a Lutheran background. So it did evolve from getting mocked and everything a few years down the way to um, them accepting us and not acting strange around us or whatever. But it was ne- I never had a relationship with them that even beforehand that I could just talk to them or go to them about anything. My mom died when she was little, and she had the wicked stepmother stereotype thing that and trouble growing up. And my dad was a only child and was very quiet. His parent, his dad was quiet. He just wasn't the type to open up. So um, when I changed totally changed, then that got more difficult. But through the years, I always wished I had an opportunity that I could talk to them, and there never seemed to be an opportunity. And they got in their 80s and 90s, and they were in Wisconsin, and we were in Pennsylvania. And um, my dad's hearing went, so I could no longer talk to him on the phone because he couldn't hear me. He'd just get frustrated. 
So I always wished I could go see him again and have an opportunity to talk to him. And then suddenly he was gone, the end of October. Five months later, my mom was in the hospital. And I, I, she was going to come the middle of March or the middle of April and stay with me for two weeks. Which she had said that she would never, ever do again, ever stay with us again. But she was going to come and stay with us for two weeks, but she ended up in the hospital. And we went there, and I thought, my sister said she thought she was getting stronger and that she was looking better. And so the first day, I thought, well, she seems weak, and it just didn't seem like the right time. The next day, she was weaker. And I just kept hoping for opening that I felt like I could talk to her. And it never came. And then it was where she just was sleeping all the time. I would tell her that I loved her. Um, but I never got to talk to her. And then she was gone five months from when my dad died. So I just want to say, there's going to come a time where there's not going to be any opportunities. And if anybody has the desire to want to talk to someone they love and just share how they feel or ask how it made them feel. I wish I would have thought more. I've been thinking a lot lately, wondering how my mom and dad must have felt when we just totally turned (laughs) upside down and crazy and rode off on our high horses. I wish, yeah, I just, I had dreams of things that I was going to do with my mom and I was going to have her all to ourselves and nobody, no sisters or siblings around to interfere. And it just, I didn't get that opportunity. So if you, just don't linger too long. Take, if you've got a little bit of time, you can write notes or something. But just don't take too long that your chances are all gone because it hurts even more then. Thank you. You can take comfort that it was her heart to come and spend two weeks with you, even though it did never get to happen. You know, it was her heart. Yeah. I just really like that um, hearing that the longing in the young girl's hearts here of wanting that relationship with an older lady. And um, when my mom passed away, I um, started seeking older ladies to relate to. And I just went down the road and found some neighbors that were old. (laughs) And these dear old ladies, they are such wonderful ladies. And everybody has neighbors. (laughs) Just find a neighbor that is old. My, my favorite lady, she's, she's a very, she loves the Lord, but she has tobacco running out her both sides of her mouth. I never know what, you know, but she's wonderful. (laughs) I just encourage you to find an old lady to, to love. Thank you. Very much, Esther. And I'm sure those older ladies were blessed very much by having you come into their life because they were lonely, too. So 
I think probably we need to cut this off um, just to keep the supper hour what it needs to be. So God bless you. Thank you again, Linda, very much for this stimulating talk. And each one of you for sharing, too. And God bless you as you go out to put it to practice.